Hello, I'm Badis, and welcome to the Implement Podcast. This is a podcast where we have great conversations about marketing, growing brands, and what it takes to be a great marketer. If you're interested in keeping up with the podcast episodes and the amazing content we produce at Implement, you should definitely subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to join-implement.com to subscribe. All right, enough self-promo. Let's dive into this new episode. And thanks again for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new uh, episode of the Implement Podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Dennis Consorte, who is digital marketer at Consult, uh, Consorte Marketing. Sorry, uh, Dennis, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, do you, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a bit more to the audience before we start? Sure. Before I start, I just want to say that I am so grateful that you invited me onto your podcast because it's so difficult to have human connection at this time with this lockdown. So it's nice to see another face. In terms of my career, I've been a digital marketer for about 20 years. And I started out just some small web design gigs in the early 2000s. And I used those skills to launch my first successful e-commerce business around that time. I sold that company, but when I built it, that's when I learned all of the skills that I use today for other clients. And I realized that at the time, I could be much more effective at helping other people than just starting my next startup on my own. And so over the last 20 years, I've been helping all kinds of businesses with growing their audiences, with driving traffic, conversion, retaining customers. And it was a really interesting story. It had a lot of ups and downs. And the short version of it is that I started out working in-house at different companies. And then I moved into the agency model. And when I became eventually the CMO of a web design agency in Manhattan, that's where I really started to explore how I could productize digital marketing for a variety of companies. And when I left that company, I left on very good terms. And in fact, they became one of my clients when I started Consorte Marketing. That's when I transformed how I started to help people and, and how I scaled it. And in the beginning, it was an adventure. It was exciting. It was fun. I'm like, wow, this is new. We're growing so fast. We're getting all these clients. But something happened. I grew too fast. I had too many clients. I had too many employees. I had too much overhead and too little time. And it drove me crazy. And after doing that for a number of years, I just couldn't take it anymore because I had all of these skills that I was able to utilize and help people with in growing their companies. But one of the skills that I didn't have at the time was just the sort of leadership style that I have today. And what that means is that with all of these clients, I was probably servicing 40 or 50 clients simultaneously at the peak of that company. And I was their point of contact, every single client. And at the time, I just wasn't good at shifting responsibility to other people and empowering people to just really own these relationships. I didn't know how to do that at the time. And so I ended up with just more work than I could handle. And I had to shut my doors. And I took a couple of years off and just retooled my mind and just 
worked on myself and, and just feeling better. I was in a very dark place at that time. And I needed to figure out what went wrong. And what I realized was that I had lost my sense of purpose. I was doing so much work for so many people that I didn't stop and take time out to think about what I wanted and where I wanted my life to go. And so I realized that I broke, if, if you ever read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I broke rule number seven, sharpen the saw. I was so busy sawing wood all day long for all of these companies that I didn't take time out to say, okay, how can I make my life better? How can I make my company better? How can I make this a better place for the people who worked at my company? I didn't do any of those things. And I actually became a very bad leader. I, I was miserable and it showed and my staff saw it and it made them miserable. And it was the right thing to do at the time to shut my doors and figure out how to just reboot this whole thing. And what I realized during this time off was that I need purpose in the work that I do. It needs to feel meaningful. I need to feel like everything I do, whether it's for myself or for other people, brings value to the world. And when I rebooted, uh, that was a whole process. Maybe I'll go into that in the next piece. But long story short, I'm very intentional about the clients that I bring on today. So one of my biggest clients is a health and wellness company. When I went through this dark period, I put on a lot of weight. I just wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising right. I wasn't doing all of the things that I should be doing to keep my mind and my body healthy. And having this wellness company as one of my clients really made me realize that I need to focus on these things. And it made me realize that the work I do can bring joy and purpose to other people's lives. So when I grow this business for this wellness company and we're doing well, by the way, I know that I'm bringing more happiness into the world. And that gives me a sense of fulfillment with the work that I do. And I have other clients too. And, and as I said, I'm very intentional about the clients that I bring on. I wanna make sure that the kinds of projects I work on fall into the value to the world. Am I helping people find their own purpose in life? If I can do that and I can get paid for it, that's awesome. And so that's where I am today is I have these, uh, I have far fewer clients that pay far more and I'm happier. And the work I do is just, very fulfilling. And I think that one of the things that makes it so fulfilling is I've become more in incremental in the way that I think about how I grow as a person and as a company. Uh, I'm a very big believer in becoming 1% better every day. And so every day when I work for my clients or I work on my own personal projects, I think about what can I do that makes their business better, that makes my business better, that makes my life better, or the lives of their customers better. This is the way that I view the world today. That's an amazing story, Dennis. Thank you for, for sharing it. Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, I, I understand sort of the, the whole journey. Uh, so you started with one company, it's an e-commerce company, then you moved to sort of more of an in-house marketer for other companies. And then you started with consulting and you've been doing, doing consulting for like the, you know, the, the, the biggest chunk of your career right now. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really interesting story because 
I feel like, uh, especially when you talk about uh, sort of burning out as uh, an entrepreneur uh, with overhead, with a lot of clients, with a lot of missions, um, and sort of transitioning and rebooting yourself and transitioning to a position where I'm guessing that you're working on a more sort of a, a flexible setting right now that maybe you don't have like employees or you're more sort of, uh, yeah, you're more uh, uh, independent. And uh, and I feel like this this movement, this uh, is something that I've seen a lot with a lot of uh, very good marketing consultants that tried the agency way and really got burned out <laughs> very fast and uh, and sort of had to rethink their their priorities and I I don't know if you if you if you've seen it in other people maybe you've met or but it's 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 very common it's much more common than than we think a hundred percent one of the things that makes this possible is just how life has been so transformed by technology over the last 10 or 20 years everybody is connected for pretty much every waking hour of their lives through mobile devices through their desktop systems, through whatever way that we connect to people. It's probably why we're able to survive this lockdown because we're at least connected to people digitally. And this model works very well for anybody that wants to provide a service to anyone else that can be done electronically. And what I like about this model is that, to your point, I don't need to have full-time employees. I can work with other contractors. I have uh, a team of virtual assistants overseas who help me with some of the day-to-day -day stuff. I have high-level people who are experts at what they do who work with me. And when I started out in this agency model, I was really a jack of all trades. I learned everything because I needed to know everything to run my own company. And what I'm realizing today is that nobody has the bandwidth to be amazing at everything they do. It's just not possible. So I try to focus more on the things that I excel at and I bring in help where I think that somebody can help me do a better job for my clients. And, and this really goes to the mentality of abundance. If you're greedy and you think, you know what, I need to keep all the work for myself and all the clients for myself, and I need to compete with people where I'm putting other competitors out of business, that's not what's sustainable today. What's sustainable today is, is this idea of abundance and thinking about how can I partner with you to do better work for my clients, to bring more value to the world. And in this framework of just connecting with people digitally, it's so easy to partner with people. It's so easy to just reach out to somebody in the next five minutes if I need something and say, hey, can you help me out with this thing? And I'll say yes or no. And then depending on that answer, I can figure out if I work with them or work with someone else. And for interviews, you had to think in terms of a physical presence in order to work together. Now we've got all of these project management platforms, we've got all of this software, we've got all of these ways to collaborate with people that this remote work environment, it's here to stay and it's gonna grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's completely changing the, the way, you know, the workflows and how people, how people manage projects, uh, absolutely. And uh, 
you know, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's when you talked, I really liked when you talked about the concept of ab abundance and when you talked about sustainability, you said like, it's not sustainable. And I feel like this is sort of a, a very common mistake again with especially first time entrepreneurs and uh, uh, I mean, young, younger entrepreneurs, people who, who, who are, you know, maybe haven't had, you know, a lot of years doing this uh, is that they focus a lot on uh, sort of bringing short term goals, bringing short term, uh, you know, sort of results for the business. So usually it's going to be like new clients, uh, new projects and not focusing on building the assets uh, that will uh, sort of bring value and bring that abundance, that sense of abundance uh, in the long term. And will that's, that's what is going to enable you to really um, choose your clients in the end and uh, be visible and sort of, uh, yeah, be more selective and choose the way you want to work. So you focus on like short-term growth. I need more clients when sometimes you don't actually uh, need to take them on and you, you, you probably you know shouldn't um, but you still do it and uh, yeah you find yourself trapped uh, in a sort of a, a rat race where you have one more clients but they don't like um, pay you maybe very well so you need to like uh, uh, outsource um, you know maybe cheaply or find ways to outsource cheaply uh, and uh, you need to you're kind of trapped in a system where there's no way out. And the more you take on clients because you need to feed sort of the machine, the more it gets heavier, the more heavier it gets and the more uh, burned out you get. And uh, uh, that's something that I've, I've just, I was talking last week with uh, someone I've been mentoring a little bit who, who was doing uh, freelancing. And uh, this is exactly where they are trapped right now. They have, uh, you know, a few clients that are very demanding uh, and they spend, you know, 100% of their time with these clients and they spend none, you know, none on just building their brand and building their content and working on uh, getting, you know, an, an abandon, uh, abundance of, of clients and missions. And uh, so, yeah, I feel like it's something that, uh, that is, is really, really common. And so you talked about a rebooting process, like, you know, can you talk us through that a little bit? Like, how did it go? How did you manage that? Yeah, before I get into the rebooting, and I'll probably forget by the time I finish this piece, I just want to touch on a couple of things. The first thing is that oftentimes companies hire me because I have gray hair. And what I mean by that is that I have made so many mistakes over the last 20 years. I have the experience that's required to save people so much time making the same mistakes. And oftentimes people my age, I'm, I'm in my mid forties and people my age start to think, am I going to make it? Are people going to continue to hire me because I'm getting older? I'm not the shiny new object fresh out of school or all over social media. I'm not that person. But the truth is that there is tremendous value in making mistakes because you learn from them and you can show people how they can avoid similar mistakes. At the end of the day, your clients are going to make their own decisions. And, and sometimes you have to let them fail so that they can learn from it. But bringing that to a company, that is value in itself. So I would say that your friends and colleagues who maybe went through that burnout phase and they're rebooting their lives, think about how much value you've created with your experience and how you can bring that to your clients. That's how you differentiate yourself 
from the 20 million other people who did the same exact thing you do is you can say, you know what? I am an SEO expert. I am a PPC expert. I am an email marketing expert. And I have one more thing. I have failed in all of those areas in the past. And let me tell you how I failed and why I failed and how we can prevent you from experiencing that same thing so that we can move faster, drive more business that is sustainable and really grow your brand. Now, rebooting process. So when I shut my doors at my company, I was in a very dark place. I asked all of my employees to leave and actually gave them time. And over the course of about six to 12 months, they all found new jobs and they are all very successful today. I am so proud of them. And I, I want to apologize, by the way, for whatever negative attitude I had at the time when I was closing my business. If any of them hear this today, I am so sorry about that space that I was in at the time, but I want you to know that I've grown as a person. Now, when I rebooted, I shut my doors. I fired all of my clients, uh, you know, in the most sustainable way possible. I pushed them off to other people who could service their needs. And I stopped work. I basically have, I have a couple of small e-commerce businesses that drive a little revenue. So I had some income coming in from that. And I did the minimal amount of work required in order to live while I figured out the rest of my life. And one of the things that actually helped me find purpose was politics. Now, I was growing up and you told me that nothing's off limits here. So I, I'm yeah, going to go, <laughs> go outside of the, the box. At the time, I was trying to find new purpose in life and I wasn't getting it from my work. I felt like I was just sawing with a dull saw. So I started exploring all of these different things. And, I, and when I got into this mindset of politics, I started reading so many things and learning about economics and learning about what's working and what's not and learning about foreign wars and, and what's driving those things. And I realized at the time that a lot of what I thought I believed wasn't what I believe to be true today. Uh, my beliefs changed. And, and at that time, uh, I was really lost and I had purpose in this political thing. And I actually volunteered for a political campaign. Here in the United States, our elections are first past the post. What that means is the person who has the most votes wins. And it makes it a two-party system. There are two major parties here in the US. And I was registered with one of those parties. And every four years, I voted for that party's candidate because I believed that was the right thing to do. But when I started exploring the reasons behind voting and, and what I really believed in, I realized that there was actually a third party that was more representative of my personal values. And so I, I volunteered on this campaign. Uh, my friend, Larry Sharp, he actually ran for governor of New York at the time on the libertarian ticket. Tiny, tiny party. There are maybe 3 million libertarians in the United States out of 330 some odd million people. 
But that campaign gave me purpose because I realized, you know what, we are not going to win this election, but we can do better than every campaign before us. And we got about 100,000 votes, which is a lot for a third party in New York State. And when I worked on that campaign, I felt like I was accomplishing something because this, this campaign represented many of my personal values. I'm, I'm not in favor of getting involved in all these wars. Um, I'm not in favor of the government um, determining how you should spend the majority of your money. Uh, I, of course, want people to pursue happiness in whatever way makes them feel fulfilled. I want you to have that freedom to just live your life. That's, that's what I believe in. And when I worked on this campaign, I was amplifying those ideas and it gave me purpose and I built relationships and I built relationships along the way. And when I built these relationships, these were sustainable because these were people who believed many of the things that I believed. We had that common ground, that connection, so that it was easier to speak with one another openly and honestly and communicate. And the candidate who I supported at the time actually became one of my mentors. And he comes from a business consulting background when I had my company years ago. And after that campaign was over, I started working with him on a weekly basis. We have these mentoring sessions every week where we talk about some of the experiences I've had and how I could have done them better and talk about some of the conversations I've had and, and how I could really understand people better. One of the things about me is that I'm an INTJ. If, if you follow Myers-Briggs, that means I'm an introverted, uh, intuitive, thinking, judgmental person. With that, that's just a fancy way of saying that I that my favorite place to be is on my couch by myself with nobody around while I figure out big problems. That's what brings me joy. And it makes me very good at processes, building a process to do something to achieve a outcome that is positive. But it makes me very bad at the human side of things and at emotional intelligence. I have a very low natural EQ. My, my emotional intelligence is, is terrible. And when I talk to people, I often, or when I used to talk to people, I often didn't really consider the emotional side of a conversation. It was always about what are the results are we trying to get and how do we get there? It wasn't, how are you feeling about this kind of thing? And so when, when you tie this emotional intelligence training that I do every week with working with this wellness company where I'm producing content about all of these different dimensions of wellness, and I can get into that in a bit, this is really helping me to figure out who I need to be as a person. And I have such a long journey ahead of myself to become the person who I aspire to become. And so I am so thankful for the clients that I have who bring me purpose and the mentors who I have who help me not only find my purpose, but also help me realize when I've made mistakes and how I could do better in the days that follow. So I've been doing this now for several years, just working on becoming a better person, being more intentional about my clients 
and doing the best work I can for those clients who bring value to the world. Yeah. I'm not sure if that answers the question, but yeah, it does. It does. And uh, I love the story of uh, getting into, into politics and uh, sort of really changing the, the scenery, changing the environment, meeting, meeting new people. Uh, it's like, you know, getting your, your confidence back and uh, uh, sort of, I think that's the, really the best way when you're dealing with a sort of a failed, a failed uh, project, whatever it is, is really like uh, getting out of it. And so really distracting yourself with something completely different, completely out of your comfort zone, um, which, uh, but in a way that brings you confidence and brings you like, hey, I did this, I accomplished this and uh, sort of, uh, yeah, gives you uh, some, some love for yourself again, you know, because I think that's the big thing is that you, when you fail, um, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here at something, you sort of start hating yourself and uh, it becomes harder to, to sort of have a, a healthy relationship with yourself. Uh, and, and finding something where you can recreate a positive relationship because people are going to say, hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, you're really helping me with this. Hey, like, so it's not a myth to, you know, go out and do something else where people can value your contribution uh, as a way sort of get of getting out of, uh, uh, of that, um, you know, that, that, that difficult phase. So I really love the story. And uh, I, I totally understand that you went into into that area because uh, I don't know, I feel like politics is a, is, is a very close area to, to marketing in, in the sense that uh, a lot of marketers, I feel have a sort of a social conscience in a way and, uh, and, and interested in society in general. So I'm, I'm really not surprised that you, you went into this and uh, yeah, I, I'm an INTP myself. So I think I, I did the test a long time ago. So yeah, I can see like, uh, you know, how you, sort of came to this, uh, this career of yours that you have now where you're focused on helping others by building plans, which is, uh, from what I understand, what you, you do really well. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a great story, Dennis. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, of course. And by the way, I want to say that relationships with other people are important too. You can have a relationship with yourself. Self-care is one of the most intentional part of our lives it should also be part of our lives to build the relationships that we have. And I am so thankful for my wife. Let me just say that because she stuck with me through this really dark period and she helped me through it in the best way that she knew how. And if I didn't have her in my life, it would have been harder. It would have been harder to stay grounded. She was my connection to the world, if you will. A lot of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs go through this struggle. A lot of entrepreneurs have failed marriages where they, they get married and then they get divorced because they're married to their work. And so if, if you find that you're in that predicament, you need to find that balance and determine what's important to you and make time for those things that are so important and those people that are so important. One of the things that I try to do is I actually schedule time with my wife. A lot of people don't think about this. They just think, well, I'll do stuff with my partner whenever we do stuff. But for me, it's like, I know that if I don't block off hours to have a conversation with my wife, to have a meal with my wife, to go shopping on the weekends with my wife, that those things often don't happen because I am so immersed in the work that I do. 
So if I were to give some advice to other entrepreneurs who are in relationships, I would say, think about those things and think about how you can make sure that everything and everyone that is important to you has a piece of your schedule and a piece of your attention. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree because I do work with my wife on a daily basis. So I do spend a lot of time with her and uh, I would not do like 10% of what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for her like we we, we support each other a lot and uh, so yeah it's a, I think it's a, it's an important piece of uh, of just being happy and uh, you know being happy is the first step if you want to achieve anything you know work-wise for sure and uh, and you know um, I, I just want to before we, we sort of wrap up the episode because we time really flies and uh, you had a great story so I was I was just uh, listening for for the, for a while there uh, just want to talk about how you you're working a lot with like you know small businesses uh, uh, entrepreneurs uh, if you want if you had to sort of sum up a, a checklist of things that they should really learn things that they should really pay attention to marketing wise and it could be self-development wise as well if you have resources or things that uh, uh, you you see you see small business not doing enough you see what I mean? Like if you had sort of a, a checklist you could give them, like what would it be? What would it, would it look like? There are a lot of things you can do and we could probably spend the next 40 minutes talking about them. <laughs> what I will say is that in my world, in the digital marketing world, there are three things that small businesses should think about. Traffic, conversion, and retention. How do you get people into your marketing funnel? How do you convert those people into customers? How do you convert those customers into loyal customers who come back again and again? And really what this boils down to is understanding their needs. Whenever I work on a project for a client, I first think about my client's needs, what's valuable to them, what do they want? But then I also think about their customers' needs. What do their customers want or what do their ideal customers want? And then I work backwards from there to get that to them. So that's probably the biggest thing that will drive a small business towards success. And then there are other tactics that you can use and various resources. I'll plug a couple of resources now. I am a subject matter expert at digital.com. We publish all kinds of information that helps small business owners to grow their companies and to grow their companies in a sustainable way. I also have a side project that I just started literally weeks ago called Snackable Solutions. And this is going to be a platform for small business owners who can share bite-sized morsels of advice with other people in our community. The whole idea there is at Snackable Solutions, you can do a three to five minute video, very short, where you teach other small business owners how to do one thing that you know how to do very well. So for example, as somebody who manages remote teams, I did a video on how to create a training video for your remote team and the kind of information that goes into it so that you don't have to have 10 different meetings on the same subject. You can just send somebody a video. So these are, these are some ways that you can uh, think about growing your company or your business. And then of course, there are lots of tools. 
Uh, I would strongly encourage small business owners to use a project manager with free functionality. You don't even have to spend any money while you try them out. Some of the free ones that I use or freemium models that I use include uh, Asana, Trello. There's a new one called ClickUp. Uh, for some of my bigger clients, I use a platform called Rike, W-R-I-K-E, although it's a little bit more complicated than some of the other ones. And then for some of the less process-oriented projects, I even use Trello. And what's really cool about these platforms is sometimes you can integrate them with each other. So for example, Rike, which is a very powerful but very complicated project management platform, can integrate with Trello, which is a much lighter platform. So for example, I have one client, I've got maybe a dozen writers who submit their content through Trello, and then it goes through a, a series of steps while it goes through editorial, SEO, publishing to the website and some other things. But separately, I use Rike for bigger projects for this client. And we did a an integration between Rike and Trello so that now I keep my writers on Trello because it's easier and they don't really get involved in the day-to-day -day work of the company. And I keep the rest of my work on Rike. So project management platforms, super, super important. In my field of expertise where, where I really flourish is in content strategy, SEO, and paid search. And in that area, I would say that some of the tools you can look at would be, uh, my favorite is SEMrush. I also use Ahrefs, uh, although I think they, oh, you know what, I think they both went through a rebranding. I think it's now SEMrush and Ahrefs or something. <laughs> uh, but I use, I use SEMrush for keyword research. I use Ahrefs for backlink research. And if you don't have the budget for these tools, use Ubersuggest. This is on Neil Patel's website. You can do a lot of keyword research on there. You could even look up popular topics on social media. And it doesn't cost anything. I think maybe you might pay 10 bucks a month to have more functionality. But those are the, some of the tools that I would say people can use in terms of hard skills. And then in terms of soft skills, find a mentor and read books that help you with these things. Uh, mentorship is so important because you need somebody there who understands what your interests are and who can keep you grounded when you start to stray away from the direction that you wanna move in. So find somebody like that. And after you learn how to work as a mentee with somebody who's mentoring you, then pay it forward and mentor somebody else. Find somebody who needs your help don't go around and, and just offer advice to everybody because most people don't like that. They don't like you to tell them how to live their lives. But if somebody obviously needs your help and you can bring them value, then, then build that relationship and bring them value. Absolutely. Uh, just to make sure I, I have everything right because I'm, I'm, I do take notes for with every guest. So if other guests are listening, <laughs> uh, so uh, basically first thing is fun funnel building and having a, uh, a real dedication to building a funnel with sustainable traffic sources, uh, you know, conversion, loyalty, etc. Uh, then checking out uh, your your projects and uh, what you're doing at digital.com and stackable solutions. And then uh, we talked about tools and the project management tools and SEO uh, SEO tools. 
And for soft skills, you talked about finding mentors. Um, I, have, I have a few comments about all this. I, I, I think it's a very uh, comprehensive list and, I, and thank you for it. I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. When, especially when talking about funnel building, uh, it ties back a little bit to what we said earlier about uh, you know, focusing too much on the business and not on the marketing side of the business as a, as a small business owner, which you know, we talked about earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, about tools, I definitely agree that there's so much you can do with, uh, with automation and, uh, uh, having, having, you know, processes that are set up and that are, are going to like really, uh, give you back a lot of time so that you can invest in, in, in building the business, uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, and then, uh, talking about SEO, like, uh, I know this is a core focus of yours, uh, but the, the thing that I have, uh, sort of a hard time doing with small business owners uh, is convincing them that SEO is something they should do. Uh, they should do <laughs> uh, like, because they, they see it as sort of a long-term thing. And uh, you know, how, how do you convince them that they should probably, probably look into it and, and should they, because sometimes like uh, when it's super competitive, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not the right approach. Like I've seen businesses where it's really not the first thing to do. So how do you sort of explain this to, to, to the, to the you know, people you're working with? You have to build trust. You have to build trust by giving people what they want so that they trust you to give them what they need. It's that simple. So if somebody wants to hire you as a digital marketer and they say, I need email marketing, and you know you can do an awesome job with email marketing, but you look at their list and there are 10 people on it, you know, it's probably not going to get them a lot of results, but if you can figure out how to make that email marketing successful over the course of time, you have to be patient. One of the things I've learned over the last 20 years is how to be a bit more patient. If you can deliver results with the things that they want to the best of your ability, and if you can give your clients honest, good advice on things, then you build trust. And the more conversations you have with your clients, the more you communicate with them, the more trust you have, and the more they want to give you other work. And when that happens, then you can approach the things that you know that they really need. And I'll give you an example. This wellness client that I work with, when they hired me, they hired me for SEO. And that's how I spent the majority of my time, SEO and, and content creation and everything that goes along with that. And over time, they brought in other companies to manage other aspects of their digital marketing. And some of those companies did okay, and, and some of them didn't. And the ones that didn't, I did the best I could to put them in a place where they could succeed, and they just didn't do it. So... What that did is it established trust with my client where they said, you know what, we hired this other company because we thought that maybe you didn't have the bandwidth to service all of our needs. But this other company, they just didn't deliver the results that we wanted, even though you shared all of your experience with them so that they could make decisions based on their experience supplemented with your experience. And so, Dennis, we're going to give you this new business because we trust you and because you've never lied to us and you've never sold us on something that didn't bring us value. And over time, I started with the SEO. I then 
moved on to doing digital marketing work for them, uh, excuse me, doing funnel building for them. I then moved into some other areas of digital marketing with the company to the point where I am essentially part of the team and they don't view me as a subcontractor anymore. They view me as one of them. And if you can get to that place where your clients see so much value in what you bring their company that, that they never want to let you go and that they trust you on everything because you're trustworthy, that's how you sell them on the things that they need when they're so focused on the things that they want. I see. Does that help? So, yeah, it does. It does. So what you're saying is that uh, you shouldn't try to, um, you know, uh, you should take time to really introduce the projects that uh, uh, you can sell in, in, in you know, uh, because you might not have that much credit at the beginning to convincing of uh, them of changing their plans or, or uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's still, it's a totally fair point. And I think it's a, uh, yeah, it's one of the things that is really cool when you are working on a smaller scale as a sort of a, uh, you know, one man show and you have maybe uh, contractors you work with is that uh, as opposed to the agency model is that you, you can actually invest in that relationship and, uh, uh, and yeah, people want to work with you and uh, that's fine. You can just, uh, you know, uh, be the, the sole provider, but uh, you know, the game is to up your prices and uh, at least, uh, you know, make yourself more and more valuable. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a, an excellent strategy for a lot of marketers out there who are not really finding their happiness being employed, uh, but at the same time are not like entrepreneurs. And a lot of them actually, I think, fit in this category uh, where I think it's, it's two different profiles, it's two, two different people um the entrepreneurial you know mindset is uh, uh is not is not the common thing and people don't just uh, don't are not happy in doing doing that kind of work um and so i think having this uh, this sort of hybrid model where you're not really uh, you're not an employee but you're not a sort of a, an entrepreneur who, who who's building a team and a and a company etc i think it's a it's a very sound and uh, and i think it's it could, could make a lot of people really happy uh, but it's not as uh, uh, well known as a sort of path for a lot of marketers. I feel like they have this, uh, they have a lot of, uh, you know, dreams of building their startup or uh, they're just unhappy with their corporate job or their employee job and they don't know how to sort of get out of it. So, so yeah, and the key is really to build trust. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just add a couple of things. First, on the building trust side, Think of your clients in the same way that you think of a marketing funnel. So when you build a funnel to drive conversion, first you get people into the top of the funnel, right? We all know this stuff. Awareness leads to consideration, leads to conversion, leads to loyalty and advocacy. Think of your clients in the same way. When you first acquire a client, they're basically somewhere near the top of the funnel and you're driving them towards that loyalty piece. And when you get them to that loyalty piece, that's where you can really help them in more ways than they originally thought possible. The other piece of this is somebody gave me some advice a few years ago. When I started my e-commerce business in the early 2000s, that was a home run. 
It completely transformed my life. And I thought I could continue to hit home runs again and again, and it didn't happen. And the advice this person gave me was he said, you know what, sometimes you need to bunt. Sometimes you need to hit a single or a double. Don't always go for that home run every single time. Again, it goes to that 1% better every day. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a marketer who's struggling, don't think about, don't focus so much of your time on where you want to be as king of the world. Think about what is something that I can do to make my company 1% better and my life 1% better. You do that and you're on the right path. You're moving in the right direction. And as long as you're moving in the right direction, eventually you'll be much closer to your intended goal. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good uh, moment to, to stop the episode there. Um, Dennis, thank you so much. Do you, do you, could you tell us where we could find you online if people listening want to, want to follow you or, or um, check out your content? Like I said, I'm an INTJ, so you won't find me on Instagram or any of those places where very extroverted people like to show everybody their lives. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Dennis Concerte on LinkedIn. There's one other one. I actually friended him because I thought it was cool that he had the same name as me. I am the marketing guy. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. I accept almost every connection. I'm glad to talk to you. Uh, just don't spam me. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time, Dennis. Thank you. This was so much fun.